Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here, checking out the series. Uh, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, it's going to be a special two-part episode. Uh, Robin Trower, legendary guitarist, and Derek Sherinian, who was a recently named greatest keyboardist of the 21st century. So two masters of their instruments. Uh, first, we'll talk with Derek about his new album, Vortex, uh, which he got to work with uh, some great masters uh, themselves, uh, Steve Lukather, Zach Wilde, Nuno Badencourt. Talk about uh, what each of those collaborations is like and his future plans to team back up with his uh, frequent collaborator, David Coverdale of, uh, of Whitesnake. And then for the second half, we'll be talking with guitar legend Robin Trower about his record, No More Worlds to Conquer. And I'll tell you about that more in here in just a few moments. Let's jump into this first part, talking about the album Vortex. It's Kyle Meredith with Derek Sherinian. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Congratulations on uh, on this new record. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, so as I read... You actually started on this uh, even even as you were finishing the, the previous one with, with the Phoenix. Uh, what's what's the thread that connects them if there is? And and I guess it, at that moment, did you have a vision for what this uh, this new album was going to be? No, um, we pretty much Simon and I got into a great you know writing flow for the Phoenix, and the creative juices were still flowing. And there was like a there's always a seven month to eight month period from the time you finish the record until it comes out so once you're done with with that record after you decompress like a month you know we were ready to get back and start writing and so we started working on vortex before phoenix even came out it's it's so great to hear how they do play together but it's especially interesting to hear uh, I guess these new little tracks you're doing of course you know scorpion ends up being one of the first songs we hear and and you've 
I, I think I read you talking about, you said, don't be surprised if you see me going in this direction more in the future. Yeah. What's, what's pulling you, uh, what's pulling you that way right now? I don't know. I mean, I've always loved playing piano, but I've really, I've never recorded songs where it was just piano and, and no synthesizers or guitars. And Simon has been really instrumental in, in pushing me in that direction. I showed him the dragonfly idea on the last record. He goes, this is fantastic. He goes, let's develop this and we don't need guitars. Let's just do uh, piano on this. And I was really, you know, insecure because I hadn't done it before, but Simon gave me the, the courage to uh, proceed with it. And so we did it again on this record. And the response is just incredible for the piano stuff versus the electric. So I definitely want to explore that that yeah. area more for sure i have listened to that track so many times just so many times over and over and and there's a moment there, later in the is it the last uh, uh last track on the album right uh what is that uh, aurora uh, australia uh, yeah. yeah because that feels like that's the actual to me that's the bridge between you know this this style that we get on the rest of the record and, and what we get on scorpion it, 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 yeah for for sure that because it starts all acoustic and then it morphs into a whole electric thing. How did that track come about? Because again, I, I, I'm only asking sort of the broad question as, as such a fan of that sound. Well, on, on that track in particular, Simon and I just sat down. We didn't have any preconceived ideas except the very, the piano intro I had. And so we, we worked that out and then we said, okay, where are we going to go? Let's do a trilogy. Where's the next section? And we just kind of, had a stream of consciousness and started writing and building it, building the song. And we do that section and go, okay, now where do you want to go? I go, why don't we go for like a Emerson, Keith Emerson type vibe on this section, ELP. And he goes, all right, cool. So then we just start, you know, it's like two kids with crayons and we just start coloring and, and making it happen. And that's what it is. When it comes to natural, like a question like what I'm about to ask might not even matter. But like on a song like that, like how thin is the line between prog rock and, and jazz? Well, there's no there's no line. The lines are completely blurred. And that's the that's the art form is mm -hmm. that Simon and I are, are musicians who are chameleons, yet we have our own signature style on our instruments. So no matter what style we play you're going to be able to identify us because our musical personality is that strong. And so we love all of those different genres, but it isn't like, all right, let's go into progressive rock here and then we'll go to jazz fusion here. It's just all blurs together. It's all part of the same stew. And then afterwards, it's uh, people like me who get to say, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is, yeah, I mean, we don't really think about it. It's just we just do what we do. Right, right. Uh, of course, i got to mention all the great guests on here. Uh, many of them you've worked with before. Does it change how you approach a song working with, um, uh, I'm going to go at random here, like Steve Lukather versus Zach Wilde? Absolutely. Like, like each one of them have their, they're all great and in their own way, but all of them have their fortes. And so my job is to uh, utilize all of them and maximize on their strengths and showcase that on the record. 
And so I want to put something that's more Jeff Beck and melodic. I'm going to use Lukather. If I need something more heavy and brutal, you know, who's going to do it better than Zach? And you can go down the line for, you know, each of the guitar players are there because they have a specialty. And my music covers a lot of ground and it requires, you know, the very best musicians in the world to, yeah. to make it come to life. What was it about uh, Nuno's playing that, uh, that, that you wanted to collaborate with? Nuno's is awesome. I've been a fan for a long time, and we became friends in 2017 when I was on the Generation X tour. And Nuno just plays with a fire and swagger like Van Halen, and I love it. And it's just very exciting player and great attitude, great, great uh, energy in his yeah. playing. The Generation X tour. I was reading about that, and you know, you do you do these. I don't know if you want to call it like all star tours, but that definitely seems like one of those all star tours. I, I think I think I'm going for the easy question. Just like, what is it to be on stage? Not like, what's it like? You know, oh, we have fun, but like, what is it to be on stage with that many power players at the same time? Because because everybody is so good. How do you find your spot? Well, in, in that situation, it wasn't about my spot. I mean, I was in a supportive role, and I was in the house band to back up all of the, the guitar players. And you're talking Steve Vai, Ingve Malmsteen, Zach Wilde, Nuno Betancourt, Tosin Abasi. And so I had to be in. They would have all the guitar players go up and do their set, and then at the end, they would all come out and play together. But I was in the band I had to be in the house band for Nuno, Zach, Ingve, and Vi, which are all totally different players, all different music. And so, uh-huh. so to be able to, to cover all of those styles in one night, it's like pretty challenging, but it's awesome. And it gives you a, a sense of confidence where like, you know what, if I can handle trading solos with these guys, I can handle, you know, with anyone in the world right. and not only just trading souls with them, but doing the, doing it all in the same night, being able to switch styles like that. Oh, it's just amazing. It gives, you, it gives you a confidence. Yeah. That's gotta be amazing. I'm just looking at the track list here and remembering seven C's. I mean, speaking of wild, that, that takes on a wild sound right there. Is that a theremin at the end of that one? Is that what I'm hearing? It sure is. Uh, it's a, <laughs> amazing theremin uh armin ra is my thereminist and he was on the phoenix and he's on all over this record it's a huge part of my sound i love mm. it it's very haunting and i think it's cool yeah that one uh, especially you know in the titles like seven seas on that one scorpion as we say is do, does the title come afterwards to to represent the sound or do you find that you're uh you know does the image come to you uh, come to whoever's naming these as you all are going along? No, the titles come at the very last moment out of desperation because we have <laughs> deadlines to turn into the record company and these songs have no lyrics. So what the hell are you going to call them? So at the very last minute, it's me and Simon going, dude, we got to name this, man. <laughs> the, the label needs a name to put on the uh, the print onto the copy. So we usually come up with these titles at the very last minute. You know what? It works well. Whatever that uh, formula is, you guys go and process that uh, it works like it gives me the image. Suddenly there's an entire picture painted as I'm listening to it, uh, whether yeah, you meant cool. it to or not. No, it's good. Well, I'm glad, thankfully. <laughs> so uh, do you have any other projects or collabs going outside of the album right now? Like I, I, I had Coverdale on not too long ago. And of course, we were talking about, um, you know, their latest work, which I know you did some stuff. I, I saw your 
tweet recently where I think you were saying like, let's do it again. Is there, is there more of that relationship to come? Oh yeah. Well, David is fantastic. And I've played on six white snake records now mm-hmm. doing, uh, doing redoing the keyboards and for his reissues. And I think there's more to come th- this year. I love David Coverdale. I think he's fantastic. And, I think he has one of the great voices of hard rock. I think he's one of the absolute greats and I'm honored that he loves my playing so much and uses me on his records. Well, the relationships you got every single time, the way you fit in with these uh, musicians, uh, I, I've, I've become such a fan of what you've been doing over the past 20 years. Oh, so, thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So Derek, I'll say it again. Congratulations on, uh, on Vortex. Uh, it's so fun to listen to um, you and Simon outdid yourselves this time. Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. Take care, buddy. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Big old thanks to Derek right there. So Robin Trower has got a brand new record. As I mentioned earlier, it's called No More Worlds to Conquer, which is kind of an interesting statement because the guy, as we've said, is a master of the guitar. What worlds are there to conquer when you've been doing it as uh, at, the, at the height and level that he's been doing it for uh, over 50 years? So we're going to discuss the record and what those words mean right there. 
Uh, also, the songs that find him railing against world leadership and lying politicians. And he'll tell us about that he's almost got another record completes. And we'll jump back to the 80s when he was playing with a cream bassist, Jack Bruce. No more worlds to conquer. It's Kyle Meredith with Robin Trower. Hi there. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, what an honor it is to talk to you. And congratulations on this brand new record called uh, No More Worlds to Conquer. Thank you very much. It's um I, I don't we should start there too. It's it's an uh, it's a curious title. I think not one that many people expected someone to uh to, to use. What does it mean? What what does the the title imply for this set of music? Well, I mean the song itself, the, uh, the title song is about Alexander the Great. So that that's a phrase that's associated with him. But um I thought it made a nice album title because uh, I feel like I don't have anything to prove. But in actual fact, I still have some worlds to conquer. It's um, interesting, too. You, you actually use an Alexander the Great. Was there any reason why... I mean, are, are, you, a, are you a history fan? What was it about him that uh, stood out to you? No, it's just I had watched a documentary on TV about him. And uh, I was working on the music for the song at the same time. And uh, the sort of idea of what, what he was about in his day fed into the into the song and uh, the two married up very nicely it's interesting because um I, I don't know if that easily leads into like the world topic moments of this record but you've got two very poignant songs on it of course with the razor's edge and clouds across the sun is there a little crossover with what you're talking about with uh, alexander the great's day and and what the message you wanted to get across with these songs well i think razor's edge is, is definitely me bemoaning the lack of quality in in leadership in the world today. I think that's that's what that song's about. And uh, Cloud Across the Sun is is about you know that politicians uh, don't keep their promises. Which um, obviously nothing new there. And 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 bedfellows for rock music uh, and and this type of uh, of themes for I mean the history of, of the genre. When you're when you're writing towards something like this, especially as we look at again, you know, fifty, sixty years or more of of, of singing songs, sort of in this vein, do you find that it's changed at least in the way that you want to approach uh, a subject like that? Um, I think maybe I'm more aware, you know, uh, in recent years of of the faults, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I think it's it's sort of played into my consciousness much more and i think that's why it comes out in the lyrics i mean i guess it'd be hard not to write about uh something like that at this point definitely although having someone else interpret the songs i, I talk about richard watts you know d- doing the vocals here how, how does your relationship work especially especially if you're trying to get a certain point across is there a conversation that goes on there yeah definitely i mean what i do is i i put down a guy's vocals for him to learn from um so that he gets close to what I'm trying to say uh, with the the melody and the lyrics, and uh, you know, and we talk about uh, what the song's about. And, but obviously, you know, he he feels it uh, in his own way, and and it works very very well. Does that feel? I mean, is that when you also put on your producer hats? Because now you're you know you are you're producing someone else in that sense, right? That's yeah, that's correct. I mean, as far as Every, everything on the on the album, really, you know, you you start having to wear a producer's hat um, to make sure, you know, you're getting the best 
from everybody and yourself as well. Well, for you to do so much anyway, I mean, uh, the producer seat, uh, of course, writing the music and playing the music, the guitar and the bass. Do you approach the bass with as much reverence as you do with a guitar? <laughs> I don't consider myself a bass player, but <laughs> what I'm more interested in is, is having the right part. It's all about the right part for the song for me. Uh-huh. So um, I quite often work out the bass part when I'm writing the song as well. So, you know, it all go- works hand in glove. Like, you know, we, we talk about the guitar playing and, and what new can be said about, you know, what you've accomplished over your career. But I was reading a recent interview, and I do love how you talk about, especially the Strat, you were talking about the human voice quality of the Strat. And I was wondering if you would go into that a little bit further, because because this is, I would imagine at least, you know, quite the, just like an extension of you, the, you know, at this point in your life, just a, another arm. Well, that's, that's definitely right. I mean, um... The guitar, especially the Strat, um, there's something inside me that responds to it, um, and it becomes like my own voice. Uh, and I think that that's um, the magic of it. So when you're writing with that, I mean, it, I guess what I'm getting at is, is it different when you're thinking about a guitar as a voice, as, as sort of a vocal line, than you would, I, I don't know, another guitar that doesn't have that same magic? Like, is there a big difference there? I think there would be for me if I if if I switched to say you know a different uh, make uh, Gibson or something. I think that that's a different, uh, completely different uh, quality to to the tone. You know, a Strat has has a has a real um, has a tone to it that you can hear the string in it. You can hear the actual string, even though you know you can wind it up. It, uh, you can always hear the string, it, 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 which gives it a kind of a sweetness. Well, again, there's magic in, in what you do with your instruments. And and all throughout this record, which I know you know has the curious uh, qualification of, of starting the record, having the pandemic happen, kind of going, to, going back and redoing it, dropping five songs as I read, adding four new ones. Do you still have plans to put the drop songs out? Do they live anywhere in the future? Uh, the drop songs I would cut again, I think. Uh-huh. Um, start, start afresh, yeah. But I'm already halfway through recording a whole batch of new songs for another album. So I've already got six on tape. Wow. Um, so I may visit those songs that were dropped again at some point. As you said, it's it's you know a rare occasion when you get an album like this where you get to tinker with it in the, in this way. You know, is that a thing? Like, how often do you wish you could go back and rework a, a record? Do you have those in your past, in, in that sense? Yeah, every, every album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what's so great about this one. It's is, is the first time that's ever happened, you know, where I've finished an album and had a chance to live with it for a year and, and see, you know, how it can be improved. But, of course, you can go on ad for nitrogen. You know, you've got to stop some, somewhere. Right. Well, you know, compliments on this one. And I, I've spent so much time lately listening to your back catalog, especially like uh, Truce from 1982 with you and Jack Bruce and, and the work you did with Brian Ferry, on, uh, on, especially on Taxi with, with those covers. I mean, just, you know, really amazing stuff there. And, and, and hearing, uh, like, I'll use this as my final question, too, especially like with Truce, you know, listening to that now, it, it almost feels like I can hear a bit of that 80s era, the, like post-punk and new wave. 
like I don't know if you go back and listen to it, but but do you hear those influences in there at, at, at that point? Um, I'm not sure, but of course Jack was was radical. You know, Jack Bruce was 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 very radical uh, in his playing, in his style, in his life force that he put into his music. You know, so I think that that's what you're hearing, really. It's a it's a cool record, uh, one that I was really uh, happy to kind of rediscover lately, and, and you've got so many of those moments. Robin, congratulations again on No More Worlds to Conquer. It's another great example of what you've been putting out in the world uh, for your entire career. So uh, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye now. And my thanks to Robin, and again to Derek Sherinian as well, and thanks to you. For checking out the episode. Uh, Before you get out, please do hit that subscribe button. Again, three new interviews every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, or YouTube for the video versions. Then after that, head over to uh, WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, of music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, mostly Twitter, all three of them at Kyle Meredith. Do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.